this up. And we're live. Welcome to the Bite of Why podcast, episode five, Tesla in Europe. We are joined by very special guest from Europe, Tom, who is the president of the Tesla Owners Club of West Sweden. As you can see, we're joined by the house homies, Tesla in the gong, Nash. Hi. Hi there, guys. And uh, Franklin, aka Mother Frunker, aka hey, FSD Beta Campaign Manager. Canada. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> good, thank you. Good, 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 good. All right. Um, Tom, yes, thanks sir. for joining our podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time. Why don't we just start with a, with a quick uh, summary of everybody's Tesla vehicles? I mean, what do you drive? How long have you been driving it, driving it for? Some mileage stats. And um, oh. let's start with that. Um, I'm at uh, a quarter of a million miles. Wow. So what is that? 430,000 kilometers. Uh, my first Model S I got in 2014, the S85, and I drove that 100,000 miles. So it was like 16,300, wow. uh, 163,000 kilometers. Wow. And I thought I was never going to get a better car. Then I got the Model X, which is yes, it blew my mind. Blew my mind. That I have still left. I just passed 100,000 miles in that one. And I still have it. My wife drives it now. And uh, last March, I got the Model 3. And it just, that is the best car ever. Now, that's the best car yeah. ever. And I just passed 100, no, like 50,000 miles in that one. So close to 90,000 kilometers. And, um, and I just know when Model Y comes, that's going to be the best. Because you get the best from the Model X, best from Model 3. It's going to be the best ever. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. I have to agree from uh, for all perspectives, the SX3 and Y, having been associated with uh, at least some of them for a while. All right. Um, Franklin, what do you drive? Uh, I drive the Cybertruck that's behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I drive a uh, Model 3 long range, rear wheel drive. Uh, like mine was one of the ones where you couldn't customize what you got um, when the threes were launched. So it's kind of like preset. My only real choice was color and add FSD or not, right? Uh, I have 60,000 kilometers on mine. Uh, I haven't driven a whole lot over the last, I don't know, eight, nine months since uh, all the shutdowns because I haven't had a real reason to drive. Uh, pretty much the only time I drive nowadays is when we get updates so I can go test out what's new like i that's literally why i drive around uh, all right so uh it's been good i've stayed under my warranty a little bit longer than i thought and um happy so awesome awesome nash okay i you drive one at a time <laughs> one time. No, okay. My daily driver is a Tesla Model X, but I'm going do down Tom's route. So I have a Model 3 2021 in order, and that's going to come, if all goes well, early next week is what they say. Maybe Thursday. later, later Thursday. next week. Thursday. Thursday. It's, it's, Thursday. Always, it's always on a Thursday. <laughs> Wait, that's when the beta's coming to Canada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always on a Thursday that's it <laughs> so so we're getting that and um, uh, just last week I got uh, my 2018 Tesla Model X updated to hardware 3.0 so I got the FSD computer finally and now I have 
I get I get all the traffic visualizations and all of that. It is really exciting. So uh, so I have we have 2020.48.10 in Australia, which um, has the text improvements. But I was more excited because uh, I can do uh, the traffic visualizations and all that. So I was very imp impressed. The traffic light was clean. You can you can go across the traffic line. It yeah. is really good. It really is good. I didn't expect the car to be this good. And this is a 2018 car, mind you. I was like, wow. Wow. Mind, we are mind blown to be honest. I've not done as many miles as Tom. Tom has just blown it out of the waters. I've probably done about uh, 70,000 kilometers, I think, if I remember right. I haven't seen, I haven't checked my odometer for a, a long time, but awesome. 70,000 kilometers is what I think I've done. Um, and what do you call your, your Model X and 3? My Model X is called uh, Superman um, because they have a Model S which my wife drives. Um, that's called Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder and, Woman. Yes. I have a Tesla Model 3, which is uh, which is not what I drive. It is it is uh, um, exclusively for renting out. Uh, there's a there's an EV rental portal here in Australia. So my Tesla Model 3, my first Tesla Model 3 is rented out through that portal. My second Tesla Model 3 is what I'm going to drive. So my Model X is going to go into the renting portal as well, and I'm going to go down Tom's path and get a Tesla Model 3 for myself, and not the Model X. The Model X goes off to to uh, to the EV um, community, so it's fantastic. Kind of it's a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. Mm -hmm. um, as for yours truly, um, I used to drive a 2019 Model Three SR Plus, um, and uh, drove that for a year. It was a beautiful red SR Plus that we traded in for a 2020 Model Y, an early win, 20,000 series. Um, and it absolutely blew our minds when we went and sat in a Model Y performance here at the Calgary showroom. It made so much sense. Um, and just uh, from a space perspective, from a visualization perspective, from a family perspective. And um, I think I know why Tesla did not release this car first. Um, as compared to the Model 3, because you can already see it in some form or the other cannibalizing Model 3s. I mean, in markets where the three only the three exists, people are buying threes by the droves. Yeah. But as soon as the three versus the Y exists, I think the cost benefit, if you do the cost benefit analysis for paying a slight premium now versus the gains you get, it's, it's awesome. And I've also been doing some winter testing with my Y um compared to the three with respect to how efficient it is with respect to the heat pump and things like that and i've been finding i've been watching the water per kilometer um uh, value over the last four or five months since i bought the vehicle and it's starting to get cold now and i find it really really efficient for a vehicle of its size mm -hmm. compared to the three you would think the three is efficient by uh, a huge distance but the y is very efficient too um so yeah, I can share those. I always share those stats out on my Twitter fan, my Twitter channel. Um, I keep posting it. Uh, so please check out the Twitter channel for that. All right. So that's our vehicles. I just got to get left. You know, I don't think this is legal, but my first car, my silver bullet, was this one, totally chromed out. Oof. Wow. I don't, I don't think I don't think it's legal in the states, but I was just insane. Driving around that thing. Wow. And, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cyber truck Model S. Like, that, that is. At least, 
And this is my Model X. This is this is my AA589. Wow. And you obviously you guys know what AA you know what that stands for? The AA? AA589. No, we you don't guys know educate us. No. This, uh, this one, my Model 3, is R2D2. R2D2, okay. Oh, AA589 is Luke Skywalker's first model uh, X-Wing. You guys pathetic. You didn't take that one. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna shut down now. I thought you guys. I'm, I'm a, I, okay. Just to be honest, I'm a Trekkie. I'm a Star oh, Trek fan. No, I'm a Star Trek fan. I didn't think that one. I got you. All right. That's, that's, I, have, that's good. I have BB-8 and all that, but I, I didn't pick that up. Oh, I'm bad. Um, <laughs> my, movies uh, again. <laughs> my Tesla Model Three was called Spock, mm. and uh, my Model Y is called Dynamis from Gundam. Um, from anime. Um, anyway, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, my cool. my good called mother Parker. I have good sense of humor. You should oh, have that as a handle, man. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Handle. handle should be at mother Parker. Uh, it was taken, so I have to go with M Parker on Twitter, but on YouTube, I am mother Parker. Oh, excellent. excellent. Right? But on Twitter, like my name is mother Parker. So if you mm. search mother Parker on Twitter, you'll find me uh, 100%. Or search hashtag FSD Beta Canada. hundred percent, you'll find me. Oh, You're yes, never going to get FSD in Canada. We're, we are supposed to be up next. No, We're supposed to be no, this month. No. Yeah, Sweden. He, he, I, it's I was the Thursday last, last night, and he said Canada, no, Norway, and Sweden is so close. So <laughs> they're going to. How do you remove yeah. people from the Canada's often? I hate to say, guys, but... Act, no, you, you know what? We're going to sidestep both of you guys. It's going to be Australia straight away next time. That's what we think. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we did sidestep Canada for one uh, software update, so you never know. Yeah. Uh, just, just the only one. Yeah, I think it was... Um, which one was it? I can't remember. A couple of times. So the 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 traffic visualization came to Australia mm. first a week before it came to Canada. So, oh. mm. but that's and the whole course, thing because if we, you we go get to America, before you guys. <laughs> like in America, all the autopilot is just so so good. Because yeah. last November yeah. we were there like three times yesterday uh, last year, and I think in uh, November we had a Model Three with, I guess version nine, whatever was like November last year. Yeah. And and the autopilot was so smooth. In the mm. EU, they shocked it up, and it's just. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk okay, about that. Yeah, that. Sure. We want to know about there are, that. There's extreme visible differences in the autopilot experience when it comes to the US yeah. versus Canada versus the rest of the world, Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, because, Tom, to your point, I think that the autopilot experience is phenomenal in the US, never yeah. having experienced mm. it there. But having experienced it in Canada, I come up with these edge cases and weird exit problems all the time. And none of the people in the U.S. have those complaints. No, so no. we'll talk about that later in the show. Cool. But uh, so let's get started off with the, with, uh, with the different topics we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to break this down into five topics. Um, and uh, we want to keep the show about 45 minutes from now. Um, so let's uh, talk about the Tesla ownership experience in starting with Sweden and then your knowledge about the rest of the EU um, compared to what it is in North America. Mm -hmm. So let's start off with, uh, say, the ordering process to lead times to delivery to pick up. Do they come and drop it off at home? Um, the things that you see here that are convenience aspects 
Um, how is it in Sweden? How um, and uh, how is to the best of your knowledge, how is it in the rest of Europe? Are there differences? Does Sweden get any different treatment compared to the rest of Europe um, and things like that? Okay, I, I'm, uh, the first Tesla I got back in 2014, there was only one pickup station in Stockholm, the capital of Sweden. Uh, mm -hmm. But now you have in Gothenburg and Malmö and way up north. So it's, 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 uh, they have four locations where they can, you know, you can come and pick it up. And today it's totally wireless when you come and pick your Tesla up. It's, it's basically you come, you come and you get on the, you, you don't have to meet anybody. Hmm. So that's why uh, we're, we're talking with Tesla. At, we as a club should, uh, a, a new owner goes and pick up the Tesla and then come over to us where we stand and we can just you know, show them everything for as long as they, they want to. I know hmm. they do this in Norway. So new owners can, you know, they're located next to, to Tesla. So it's, it's, it's pretty smooth. Uh, and also, um, since we are getting cars from Fremont right now, mm -hmm. uh, each uh, quarter they make uh, cars for different markets. So depending on when you're, when, when, what part of the year you're actually mm -hmm. trying to buy it, it takes, right. you know, it's, yeah, it's, and you know, it's always going to be a Thursday when it comes and it's, you know, it's uh, and sometimes you're lucky, you, you, your actual model is on the, you know, on the boat over here and you just, you get it two months early. It's just, you never know. Tom Wednesday, right? Mm. Oh, that's yeah. a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, so then, yeah. And from a logistic standpoint, I think uh, most of the vehicles that come to Europe uh, land in Zeebrugge in, um, I think it's Belgium. I think yeah in, in Holland yeah they assemble them in Holland in Holland okay yeah okay because they, they want them shipped here as parts not as a whole car because it's lower tax oh uh, so yeah yeah, right? you, wow. yeah yeah you don't have to pay as much uh, customs if you if you ship parts rather than the whole car so they go to the Holland factory assemble them there do the test runs and 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 send them off and they're actually thinking about instead of having the same battery package that was in Fremont getting uh, installed in Holland, they say if you're buying, a, let's say, a, a 100 battery, you can just pick a random 100 battery in, in, in Holland, assemble them, and then go. Uh, the Model 3 is so cheap, they do not assemble them in, in, in Europe. They come ready. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Very interesting. Very good to know. Okay. Yeah. It's, okay. it's pretty cool. We've seen the, we've seen the, um, uh, the Holland factory. Okay. Uh, and and it's it's really cool the way they do it, and they they do all the tests they do in Fremont once more once they assemble it. So, so what you're saying is applicable to the Model S and X. Yes, I see. I oh, see. Interesting. Very interesting. I, and, and yes, to your point, I mean, all the you know on Twitter there are lots of people tracking shipments mm -hmm. coming yeah. from the US mm -hmm. to Europe and Australia and stuff, and that's why I think all the photos they post are of Model Threes being fully yeah. assembled and ready for delivery versus yeah. X. Yeah. Oh, I see. So, but that's the thing. If if uh, if a um, if a truck you know crashes with the batteries, you know the cars will just stand there without batteries. Yeah. And mm. that's why they say you know we're gonna we're gonna just grab a random battery and put it in there because a hundred batteries, hundred battery. Or if you have okay. a seventy-five, you have a seventy-five. So it's gonna be more smooth. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's a re it's a really cool factory. It's it's way smaller than Fremont. I've been to both. But it's 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 still pretty cool, and and we've seen the 
we've seen the tools they use in Holland uh, to to assemble and a lot of robots and yeah it's it's mm. um, it's a cool experience. Very cool, very yeah. cool, fantastic. Yeah, I did not know that they had a Honda factory. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, Holland. Uh, in the, in Holland. Holland. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, not Honda. I mean Holland. That's what I meant. It's five a.m. I'm still I'm still sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so what are the lead times usually? I mean, from a from an order to a delivery, I would say six to eight weeks. Uh, mm. Sometimes it's ten to twelve weeks. It depends on what cycle you're in. Yeah. Yes. Regarding yeah. regarding those, uh, I've been able to buy. Um, um, you know, um, my Model X was a um, was a showroom uh, car. Oh. Because I needed one quick and I, I I got it and it was you know more or less the same, you know what I wanted six seat black I'll, I'll get it you know it's perfect. Okay. That's yeah. that's awesome. I think that Tesla's doing that for the Model Y now. Um, I think mm -hmm. for the end of quarter push in North yeah. America. Oh, yeah. I think they're doing that. Okay. Um, also, I had a question about uh, uh, delivery wise. Do you have to pick up your vehicles? in the, the the center the service center i mean now there are about four or five like you said right this mm -hmm. spread out stockholm mm -hmm. gothenburg yeah um, and but yes Marvel. you do yeah yeah you don't you mm. don't have home delivery yet you don't have home delivery no okay. i just remember when my first tesla was the it was a problem with the 12 volt battery mm. and and they and they actually took it to stockholm and they called me and said hey you know uh, is it okay if we come and drop it off at on your yard oh wow they come at okay. eight o'clock in the evening. They just drove it all the way back, and you know, on the flatbed, and put it back That's there. Awesome. So, quick yeah. segue. Quick segue. You mentioned the twelve volt battery. I know Europe is notorious for twenty four volt systems. Working in the the aftermarket automotive myself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I have seen a lot of vehicles come with the twenty four volt systems, and now I think Elon's even talking about going to forty eight volts okay. um, in the future because yeah, uh, because everything's moving towards low amp. Uh, oh. circuits so the higher the voltage the lesser the amps for the same amount of power That's so awesome. um <clears throat> so i was just so you mentioned 12 volt battery i was i was just wondering if they still use 12 versus 24 volts in in europe yeah. because it's, it's a 12 volt that runs the computer well. yeah. interesting because a lot of vehicles in asia get completely built up in europe and get shipped oh. or or the, like for example in heavy trucks you have man scania mm -hmm. and volvo they they completely assemble them and, and ship them to to Asia because there's no manufacturing facilities in Asia like Southeast Asia, oh. um, so they come with the 24 volt systems. North America has 12 volt, and it's been like that way for a while. Just okay, mm. just a different. But the 12 volt system is quite quite a bother. It's it's uh, caused an issue with. It. I mean, Touchwood mine has not had any issues with my 12 volt battery, but I know a lot of people here in Wollongong, which is where we're a slightly smaller town, not like Sydney. Uh, but I know a couple of uh, friends of mine who have had Model X and Model S who had uh, problems with the 12-volt system. Uh, so it's it's good if they move away from the 12-volt uh, system altogether and maybe get a yeah. 48. It's, it's fantastic. 24 is great too. It will cause a lot of people to scramble. Trust me. The 12-volt is like a dinosaur. It's existed for yeah. so long. And it is. all, I mean, it will cause a ripple effect throughout the entire supply chain. Of everybody mm. who spec electrically and uh, electromechanical systems in vehicles, all spec for 12 volt today. Oh man, it's got it'll be a massive shift. Um, it'll be as big a shift in electrical architecture as EVs are with respect to ICE vehicles. Wow, I, I hope it works. Wow. I hope it happens yeah. soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay. Well, I, I had a question. Uh, Tom, do, do you have uh, uh, mobile service? So uh, you have uh, Tesla mobile for, for repairs oh, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that? we do okay i've used it uh, a couple of times to fix my charge port and okay. uh, also i had a problem the other day with a model x with the wide windshield wipers mm -hmm. and they just came by and did that and it was just it was oh, uh, the guy came in and he had a mask and he had gloves and it was outdoors and it even cost a third of what the estimate was oh wow that's what awesome about, wow. yeah it's like what that's awesome okay. yeah i want to tip him <laughs> wow. um, oh, that's awesome so is that something that's uh been there right from the beginning along with no. tesla's entrance into sweden no well actually in the beginning there was they even send uh, they said the mobile technicians from norway into sweden in the beginning before they before they were set up here they were just i mean in the beginning they would they would call you up and say hey i'm see you charge your car to 100 percent. that's not good you should lower that to 90. they even oh. they picked up the phone and called you Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's, it's really changed. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, Tesla, I mean, a lot of times, like with my model Y, I've had four, three or four service appointments for different things. Mm. And all of them initially were assigned to the service center and they all got updated to a mobile service tech coming out to my place. Mm. And, uh, it's, my, it's amazing. My experience what they, this coming week is the reverse. So I scheduled for mobile and they changed it to a service center. So oh, okay. interesting. That's a double but standard. Is, but the thing is, when you tell somebody about that experience, yeah, I was, I was standing in my office and I'm, I was showing, yeah, they're coming here, they're fixing this. And, 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 and the persons, they absolutely like, what? They come yeah. here? That's yeah. like sci-fi shit. And I'm like, yeah. you're right. Yeah, that is. Doesn't yeah. everybody do this? It's like. They were just shocked. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. They, they came yeah. home to fix my Model S. So my model has had a, had a problem with the steering wheel controls. Mm. They came home and uh, everybody, my neighbors were like, what is this? And they said, oh, they were just fixing the car. At home? Yeah, yeah at home. <laughs> yeah, that always brings that that oomph yeah. factor, right? When people yeah. see Tesla service yeah. parked out. Wow. Yeah, I, don't, I don't get that at my house anymore because I have so many friends with Teslas that keep coming by. So my neighbors <laughs> like at, at first you're like, why are all these Teslas like one after another every week? There's a new color, a new model. Uh, so when service shows up, they just think it's another one of my friends at this point, right? Uh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. We've got yeah, a lot of mobile uh, service has become, our mobile service has become less uh, uh, less frequent now because they're difficult to find people. So oh, in Australia, yeah. mobile service is not as as rampant as in the US. I'm hoping that that changes very soon, but it used to be great. After mm -hmm. a lot of Model 3s came into the market, they started trying to reduce that um, that mobile service thingy. Wow. I want to give a quick shout out to all the representation we have in the chat from Sweden. It's uh, it's buzzing out there. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, and mobile service capabilities have greatly increased. When I went for my Hardware 3 retrofit for my Model 3 last year, I had to take it in, and it took me about four hours to get it done. Mm -hmm. Mobile service is now doing it in 30 minutes, 30, 35 minutes. If you see Twitter, yeah, they're able wow. to do it on spot at home. So there's been a lot of reports. I mean, they're still doing the model, the Hardware 3.0 upgrade rollout in the US and, yeah. um, and starting other markets, right? So they've enabled mobile service at Nash's point. To, mm -hmm. you, need to, you need to have technicians who are capable. Yeah, so not not just a technician. He, I've seen technicians who go to a job site without a multimeter, and they're gonna and they they have to check power ground ignition. 
I mean, they don't uh-huh. even know. We have to walk them through stuff like that. Uh-huh. I mean, so you have absolute extremes. And then you have super competent technicians who can even just look at a circuit and diagnose a problem straight away. So that makes sense. I mean, Tesla, you need to ensure that the mobile service tech who comes out to your house is able to solve the problem yeah. Yeah. and uh, be evaluated on that, right? Anyway. Well, cool. you know, so, you know, the, th- you know the, the, the problem with MCU crashing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. one guy in our club, he's a, um, he drives an old uh, Model S 2013 mm-hmm. and he even hacked it. So he has his own uh, FSD in that with the, one of those raspberry <laughs> Pi things. And then that's, I, awesome. uh, <laughs> that's cool. We absolutely need to talk awesome. to him. He fixes so many broken MCUs because, you know, what Tesla does, they throw in another refurbished 8 gigabyte chip in there. Yeah. Which just prolongs the problem three more years. Recently, they upgraded to 64. He's been doing this for a long time. He even fixed my, my Model X with that. But the fun <laughs> thing is, once a week, the service center calls him and says, We got this problem, Marcus. How do we fix this? Oh, wow. Nice. Do. Nice. Oh, that's, that's, like a, that's pretty cool. So he's a contractor, I guess, technically speaking. Well, well he should get paid, shouldn't he? He should. They should give him a Model X. Uh, after a couple of years, I know. Just yeah, give, him get, give him a Founder Series Roadster for goodwill. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. At least. At least. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Hats off to him, whoever he is. But um, thank you so much for helping yeah. out the people in Sweden. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that kind of wraps up section one of what we mm. want to talk about. Let's go to the competition. Let's discuss mm. the, comp- the competition that is coming and that yeah. has been coming for a while um, in uh, all parts of the world. Um, so I did notice that, you know, if you look at, uh, so this, all the tabloids reporting, how many sales keep happening in, in Europe. And, um, we do see the emergence of the big auto. I mean, everybody's starting to come out with their vehicles. I mean, uh, the last 10 years was almost like people were thinking Tesla's a joke. And now that they're not a joke, now that mm-hmm. established and they're seeing so many of them on the road, I think people are taking them very seriously and, uh, I mean, I wanted to just bring up a few vehicles that I do notice that are on that are commonly compared to the Model 3 or um, the Renault Zoe, Volkswagen E-Golf, Skoda, mm-hmm. Seat, uh, Hyundai Kona, Kia Niro. I mean, offerings by Daimler, the EQC project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also have some of the, the crazy, uh, the supercars and hypercars like Rimac out of Croatia. Mm-hmm. And um, you also have... Uh, so what's your take on the competition, Tom? How do you see, do you see them having a path to, look, it's inevitable that by 2030, 40, I think you're going to have, uh, most countries are introducing legislation to prevent the sales of ICE vehicles, right? Um, that's the first step. You're not going to take the existing backlog of ICE vehicles on the road, out of the road anytime soon. It's going to take another 20 years. To Elon's point, he's like, even if we start today, it's going to take at least 20 years to, to replace the entire market, right? Um sure. What so let we can start off by talking about what are the popular brands in Sweden uh, from a road vehicle standpoint? Non Tesla, yeah, and non Tesla. Uh, uh, yeah, in in my company, I run my own business. Uh, we mm-hmm. had uh, three Teslas, one uh, Hyundai Ioniq and one Renault Zoe, mm-hmm. and Hyundai Ioniq was just, I think that is comes second to the Model Three when it comes to accurate mileage. If it says 200 kilometers on the battery, you'll get 19.9. It's just super efficient. 
And then we mm. had the Renault Zoe that, that it said is just like 280 kilometers on, on one charge, but it only has single phase charging. So you're, I mean, it's, it's perfect for daily commuting, but, it, but other than that, it's, you know, uh, both the Renault and the Hyundai, we, we were going to sell them uh, like two years after we started the leasing contract and we had to give somebody money to take them away, you know. Uh, we ended up, we, we couldn't sell them and make money. And, and if you look at prices right now on Teslas, the Model 3, you can sell a one-year-old Tesla and get the same money as a new one. So I think those brands are killing themselves with that. Uh, but I think the Volkswagen ID3, now they, since they don't have the, <clears throat> the diesel software in them, uh, <laughs> you know, like they did in the beginning, uh, yeah. A friend of mine, he has one. He's super happy with that one. Mm. Have uh, they fixed the software, brought the glitches? Yeah, the yeah. Idea? I think they have. Uh, I think they. I think they did. Okay. Uh, I think the the uh, the um, what it, was it the the Kona, the Hyundai. Uh, oh, the Kona, yeah. Yeah, I think Kona, that is yeah. pretty popular. It's really good price. It's mm. really really priced about. Yeah, uh, I would say like forty three thousand dollar ish, something mm. like mm. that. And the and Hyundai e Nero. Yeah, it's also very good, and it also has a tow hatch. And I think that's know. the Kia, though the Kia Nero, I think, right? Yeah, Kia, it's true. Kia yeah. Nero, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, Hamid that's from the chat really also mentions uh, we have the Nissan Polestar. Leaf, we have yeah. the Polestar Two, we also yeah. have Neo and Xpeng. Yeah. yeah, I have seen uh, some of the videos from Europe about the Xpeng G3 yeah. and uh, the P7. Um, Xpeng seems and, to be a very popular uh, model. Uh, uh, after the neos and all that, yeah, isn't it? But is Xpeng sold in Europe yet? No, I think it's still. I think it's still. Uh, I think it's those. Um, what do you say? Those one-offs that they ship to different continents so that oh, people yeah. can review them. I don't think it's uh, sold yet outside the mm. Chinese market, but I might be mistaken. No, that's um, true. It, Pol it, but it, it has a lot of buzz. Polestar is co-owned by Volvo. Yes, it's, uh, it's really, really popular. They had some huge issues with. Um, I think. Um, how should I put this diplomatic? Yeah, they had some issues in the beginning. The yeah. car just stopped all over the roads. And the yeah. thing is, people came up to me and said, hey, look at those pole stars. I told you EVs were no good. I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> why would you Where does he say pole star? And he's like, yeah, but, but now they're really good. I've, I've seen them. They're really good looking. I think yeah. they get good mileage. But but it's the the classic where do I charge them issue? Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, I think, I think generally speaking, yeah. yeah, I think exactly. everybody deserves a chance. I think everybody, because look, we ultimately we believe in EVs. I believe in EVs. Yeah. I, so yeah. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's 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 Tesla versus the rest. I don't think even no. Tesla wants to be the one single no. manufacturer no. in the world. No. no, I think Elon, and then they also made their patents open source back in like five years yeah. ago, I think it is. Mm -hmm. So really, I don't think they're in the, the quest to be number one in, in the EV, I mean, in the no. manufacturer market. I think they just yeah. want to progress the mission forward. So I think we should give all the legacy auto and other manufacturers a chance to get to iron out all the bugs it'll take it Do took that. tesla 17 years to get where they are wow. today so you got to give everybody else but everybody else has a lot more resources so mm. can you throw money at the problem i don't know because if you have for example pole starts just stopping mm. like that we yeah. had uh fiscal karmas back in 2013-14 catching yeah. fire 
right? But yeah. Fisk, but Hendrik Fisk goes back again. Oh yeah, with the, right. with the ocean and the, I think it was uh, <clears throat> Alaska. I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. There's a new SUV and so. Got a and the Rivian. The Rivian is just crazy. Rivian is going to be. Is oh, I'm yeah. so excited for that vehicle. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but I'm thinking Nissan Leaf, the most sold EV in the world. You mm. see a lot of them in Europe. There, I mean, I can't believe Nissan missed their chance. Yes, yeah. they they they, they got the Nissan that one. Leaf yeah. two coming up. Is that okay? Well, I think uh, personally speaking, I think Toyota should have built on the success of the Prius. Back in the day, they should have built on it. But I think they're still dilly dallying with hydrogen and, oh, and all yeah. that stuff. I don't even I think, know when. Uh, to answer your original question or statement, uh, you have to give the competition a chance. But I feel like the competition isn't going to be your traditional automakers that are converting over. I feel like you're going to see a lot of companies like Rivian that are up and coming, brand new, uh, and those are the ones that are going to really take the bull by the horns, so to speak. Yeah, and I feel like those are the ones we're going to see a lot more of, rather than your traditional automakers converting. Uh, they're obviously yeah. going to convert, but I feel like their conversion process is going to be a lot slower. Absolutely, uh, because um, it's like when when I bought my Model Three, for example, at the time there was pretty much every single thing you read about Tesla was like, unless they sell five thousand of them a week, they're going to go mm -hmm. bankrupt. Uh, so technically, I bought my car where Tesla was at a loss. Uh, a lot of these big traditional automakers don't want to sell at a loss. They want to sell at a profit. And that's why they've sold so few EVs over the last X number of years. So even the ones that have them, they're not actively trying to sell them because they're losing money. Right. So the only way they, they can make money is by doing it scale. And they don't want to do scale because the profit margin on their ice vehicles are higher. Right. So there's no real incentive for them to flip in the short term. It's they want to do it over like a longer process. But in doing mm -hmm. so, they're behind on the battery tech. True. So um when you factor this all in i feel like their conversion process can be way too slow and that's why you're going to see a lot of new and upcoming many like new and upcoming companies come out of nowhere and be like yeah look at our ev it's amazing right and i'm sure there's people working on them right now as we speak or we're going to see them the next i don't know six months a year two years three years with like brand new companies with really enticing evs so i think I, it's uh i think it's legacy auto i think it's also uh the big traditionally established automakers. I think it's a mindset change. I'm not sure if it's really a mindset change because I'll tell you why. Because I, I reviewed the uh, Audi e-tron uh, last week. Uh, the car is well made. It's a good looking car. There's no doubt about that because the Audi has been making cars forever. But when it comes to tech, it has nearly nothing. No autopilot. Not even, not even a, a glorified lane keeping is there in the car. So it's not there. And uh, the car only does 360 kilometers in a full charge with full AC on. Whereas, we, yeah, we did a, we did a side by side comparison yeah. between the Model X long range and uh, Audi e-tron because it's the same price in in Australia. Yeah. Both are same, similarly priced. The Audi e-tron is uh, is 361. Uh, Model X was 517 kilometers for a full charge. I think so, uh, it's a beautiful I, car, Audi. I love yeah, it. Yes, and the same yes, with nice. the BMW. The i3 yeah. is really popular, yeah. but I mean, it's just um, like the Audi. I can't, I can't believe they just now realized. Wow! Yeah. You just, just, you don't just smack in a battery and sell it. Yeah, yeah. It's a deficiency. But I mean, like for instance, Volkswagen. I think they bought like uh, um, Peter Carlson, the guy who who started Northvolt, the huge battery factory in the north part of Sweden. I think he used to be in the Tesla board. 
Uh, and I think uh, Volkswagen bought 80% of his capacity already. Mm. Good. And they opened okay. it in two years. Yeah, I think uh, I think um, there's more to it than just the car making. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's a it's a very it's a very large shift. I think the so the traditional automakers uh, we keep hearing about Tesla's vertical integration versus the traditional supplier contracting mm -hmm. um, methodology, right? Um, the traditional OEMs just are known for slapping on the badge mm. at the end of it. Yeah. You'll see different components made everywhere else. Whereas Tesla's group is all in-house. They yeah. have the you have the ability from what we see and hear, you have the ability to walk to another guy's office and say, look, I've got a problem, fix it. Versus send an email to a supplier who will then get back to you in a week and then you'll have to go dilly-dally, figure it out. And then, so oh, those, yeah. those processes, I think it's a process shift. I think it's a paradigm shift. I think it's a mindset shift. I think all these together will take time for the gargantuan big existing well, automakers compared to the, the new agile fast startups. That we see, yeah. um, well, Tom, Tom said it. They slap a battery in an existing shell yeah. of a car. Yeah, and I watched a really interesting uh, video about this, where they took apart multiple different EVs, and because Tesla was built from the ground up, they have the battery along the whole base, and yeah. they really utilize space properly, and uh, they can get more cells and so on and so forth. Uh, where your traditional automakers are literally just taking existing designs, literally slapping yeah. a battery and saying, "Yep." Yeah, all right, here's our EV. And it yeah. makes a world of difference of, in terms of efficiency and all sorts of other factors where unless they go from the ground up and literally scrap everything, they're never mm -hmm. going to have the, yeah. the advantage that Tesla does. And there's another issue. Like, for mm -hmm. instance, uh, um, a lot of automakers within the company, they're not 100% sure if they're going to go for EV. Like yes, Mercedes, that's true. BMW, Audi, and all that. They argue within the company. Should we do it now? Just like that, you know. Slap it. Let's see. If, you know, if somebody buys it, you know, hey, it's like, you know, who cares? It's, but I mean, mm. and, and that's probably what, that, that's probably why Polestar is a different brand than Volvo because in Polestar is one hundred percent electric. Everybody knows it from the get go. Mm. And so, so I, I think I, the biggest advantage Tesla has too is data collection. So they're able to collect all this data uh, constantly from our cars and say, hey. Uh, how's their battery performing and that's why they're able to do range boosts yeah uh, so i paid for 500 my car's at now 520 so i've actually got more than what i've actually paid for which is kind of insane to think about yeah um but they're able to do it through data collection and uh their data collection obviously helps with fsd which uh we will talk about yeah. uh cool and let's uh let's let's shift gears then and let's go to let's go to fsd let's go to yeah. Since uh, let's talk about let's spend about five minutes talking about the differences um, in FSD, the US, everybody's experience versus Canada versus Sweden and the rest of the world and Australia. Okay. Oh, sorry, so Australia. Australia. I'll summarize it very easily. US FSD data, rest of the world, <laughs> no US, you know FSD data. So, <laughs> Thursday. 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 That's what yeah. it's always Thursday. Yeah. Here's the third yeah. Um, so, from a data standpoint, I think so. Tesla, based out of California, dri maximum driving miles you can get is out of California. It seems, just what I understand, the California Tesla owners seem to have the best Tesla exp FSD experience out of the bunch. Yeah. It's and uh, 
what I've seen is, I mean, obviously, you would think that regulatory approval in your home market is the first approach you want to. I mean, if you're based in the U.S., you want to put out a feature to the U.S. customers, then expand slowly. It's just um, different markets get stuck at different points in limbo for so long. I mean, you think of, um, and but then all of us pay for the feature at the same time. Right, we all buy FSD when you reserve your cars and yeah. you, you buy it at that point. But everybody sat waiting for so long, and um, I don't know. It's just uh, I, I we're lucky to be in Canada here, where usually it follows suit to the U.S. Because besides the metric imperial unit difference in our our driving road, the roads are the same, the rules are the same most of the time. Uh, so we usually get deployments the next after the U.S. Uh, but Let's talk about Europe. Let's talk about how soon after the U.S. rollout that you get it in Europe. And why is the EU so strict on the autopilot side of things? Well, I'm going to get political here. But it's like when we were last year, when we were in, in L.A. driving with the, the autopilot, it was super smooth. You came up and you changed lanes and you would pass. And it was so, so smooth. And in Sweden, uh, well, in the European Union, it chopped off. And, and uh it basically comes down to the other automakers have great lobbyists. They, mm. they just make ah. Malta or some small country like this put in their veto. And that goes for the entire EU. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. So, so I mean, if, 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 if like Malta, who, I mean, they have like 12 people living in Malta. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, we're going to put a veto on that thing. It's like, why? Yeah, oh, wow. You can even drive to Malta from here. What's the problem? Yeah, you can, but that's the thing. So, so we get so um, many different. And the thing, I, I was actually thinking about that. If you were to go from Norway to Sweden, where you would probably like, for for instance, Canada and Norway is going to be the next FSD. What happens when you cross the border into Sweden? Will your FSD stop working, or no? So I'll give you a quick story about that um, yeah. my buddy wade he did a trip across all of north america and when he stopped off in canada i got to uh, talk to him and at the time canada's dumb summon or regular summon i call it dumb summon uh we had to basically be next to the car to be able to summon it forwards or backwards i'm not talking smart summon i'm talking just regular summon like basically hugging the car for it to work uh <laughs> whereas in the u.s they could be like 20 feet away yeah so uh, I remember to this day, Wade was on my driveway, and we're talking about it. He's like, no way. So we're standing at the same exact point, his car summoning forwards and backwards, and then there's mine. Like, I have to walk up to hug my car to get it to go forwards and backwards. Wow. Just because his is a U.S. car versus my Canadian car. Side by side, same exact location in Canada. Mine doesn't work as does. So it's not oh, geofenced? Wow. It's not geofenced? It depends on the feature. Wow. So summon was not summon was not geofence. Um, the original navigation on autopilot was geofence. So if you were, if mm. I took my car in Canada to the U.S. at the time, I got navigation on autopilot to work. Then when I came back, it stopped working. So it depends on the feature. It depends on what they had. And I think mm -hmm. navigation on autopilot specifically was because of map data. Mm -hmm. um, the map data in Canada wasn't up to date at the time. So it's really feature dependent in terms of whether things are geofenced or not. So the FSD beta probably would be geofenced if I had to imagine, because they are using a lot of map data, despite oh, yeah. uh, what people are saying. Like it's a lot of visuals, but it's a lot of map data as well, right? 
unless that, that data is up to date, uh, they won't be able to, like, it's probably not going to work, is my guess. Mm. Interesting. It's also like, really like all, the, all the miles. Like, for instance, my 2014 Model S was AP1, worked yeah. really, really smooth. And then, you know, Intel bought Mobileye and, you know, they stopped working with Tesla and Tesla basically had to start over. What yeah. did have 1.5 billion miles in yeah. Mobileye and it had to start yeah. from zero. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how far they came. I don't know, is this two years ago, three years ago? I think 2015. I think it was 2016 or 15 that Mobileye, yeah. Mobileye and Tesla split. And I think that's the reason uh, they've actually reintroduced their uh, reading posted speed limit signs. Oh, yeah, true. Because true. I think it had to do with the Mobileye patent on it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. and um, something about when it would expire. But Tesla's implementation of speed limit signs is not 100% perfect. I mean, I've seen it miss really big, obvious ones. Yeah. So I think there's still refinements to obviously work through it. Yeah. But I'm just thinking the other day I was on the highway and for some reason my car speed limit sign showed me 30. And I'm like, oh, wow, if FSD got 30 right now, the highway speed limit's 100, 100 and everybody's doing 105, 110. Wow. I'm like, what would it have done? And can you override it? I was just thinking about it. Can you override yeah. FSD, take over manual control of, can you feed back updates to speed limit signs to Tesla like you have apps like Waze? And things like that, they allow you to correct, you know. Yeah, so you the, do that with bug report. You have to do it bug, yeah, through bug but, report. Yeah, exactly. So, so the speed limit recognition doesn't work very well on the highway from my tests. Mm -hmm. It's mostly city road driving. Right. And the FSD beta is not that much different for highway driving than what we have currently. So the only real difference you're going to see is city driving. So if you have the beta right now, you're not going to notice a massive change on highway driving it's pretty much the same right right cool right um we have a we have a comment in the feed from uh hakan if i got the name right yeah he's one uh, of the board members okay um it's it's all about uh minimizing risks to the safety of vehicle occupants and other road users um yeah. and here's the thing right um it's a, it's a very it's a very dicey it's a thin line so you have you have very polar opinions about this subject, right? So you have one set of guys who say all the beta testers should be taken off the road right now mm. because they're compromising safety of mm. the rest of the people driving because the rest of the people are not driving self-driving Teslas. Mm. On the other hand, you have people on the data collection and product development side of things saying, how else are you supposed to get the real world data to make cars self-drive themselves? They're not going to come in a floppy. I mean, they're not going to come in a USB stick and you just plug it in and it's all good. You need to drive to get real driving miles. You can't simulate every edge case, right? So you have this, uh, it's that um, it's that, uh, that age old dilemma when, when vehicles become autonomous. Mm. And if you're uh, in Ash, when vehicles become autonomous and if you're in a compromising situation where the vehicle has to choose between hitting a cyclist versus protecting the, the occupant's life, what will it do? You know, yeah. there is no right answer to that problem because human life ultimately is the most important. So uh, it's going to be one of those, what do regulators say is the right solution to that kind of a problem? It's a gray area. There's going to be lots of gray areas ethically in this. Um, but anyways, cool. Um, so just to summarize, we do see the differences in the FSD experience in different uh, markets, right? So 
do you does it, do you think it justifies the price when no. there's such differences? It doesn't today, right? It doesn't. No, no, no way. I can't believe. I mean, normally, I would say over here, people do a three-year lease, and they would probably they, they're gonna sell the car before they experience the FSD. It's just right. nuts. It's just nuts. Yeah. I I also suggest this to people when when people ask me, should I buy FSD today versus uh, later? I tell them, how long do you plan to keep your car? If you plan to keep your car for for three to five years, don't. Because FSD is a work in progress. It's going to be constantly evolving software suite. And five years from today, you will have a better chance of getting an FSD uh, package that you can use in your respective oh, yeah. area. And um, but the problem is, is the cost benefit, right? So today FSD is X. Five years from now, it's going to be a multiple of uh, some multiple of X, right? But Tesla, the way it is, it almost looks like FSD is going to keep going up. The car price is going to keep coming down, and the car is going to be. I don't think. I think Elon was right when he said you can pay, you can lease uh, the FSD. You pay per month. But you he said definitely. Let's say you, you don't need the car for three yes, months, you don't have to pay for it. It's just excellent. True. True. I think that is the best thing I've heard in a long while. Like, like for instance, with the. Uh, yeah. You know, be... How much pay? Like eight bucks uh, uh, a month for. Uh, Connectivity, the premium connectivity, is that right? Well, okay. it's fifteen yes. bucks here in Canada. Yeah. Okay, Sixteen. Yeah. So that's that's a really good steal in Canada based off mm -hmm. what else services we have. But um, in terms of the beta and pricing, it's going to be a lot higher than what most people are going to be wanting to pay because yeah. it's not going to be it's not going to be a hundred dollars a month. You're going to be looking at two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars per month U.S. for FSD. And uh, the reason five the years it, from now, five years way, from now, it's going to be that much. Yeah, well, the way it got to that number no, too is even not like even current in its current stage, it will be because you have to remember Tesla's taking on all the risk here. Uh, and I say that um, from a perspective of like an investor, not an owner, right? In the owner's perspective, you want to be as cheap as possible, it's the best thing ever. Uh, but in the perspective of Tesla, uh, if they can sell you the software up front, the rental, like the the rental fee of it has to be higher than the ownership cost over however long you have the car. So if you have your car for five years, let's say, and they say, hey, the car's gonna be on the road for five years, you're gonna wanna, Tesla's gonna charge you to make back their FSD money over the five year span. It's just good economical business practice, right? So if you're like uh, leasing your car for five years, Tesla's gonna wanna have that 10,000 over the five year span, right? And then you divide that out, it's gonna be a fairly high number. But also, let me ask you this. If you buy FSD, I think it should be, if I buy it, it's mine. I'm going to take that now. to my next yeah. car. I lost that. I bought FSD on my Model 3 SR Plus. I had to rebuy it for my Model Y. You know, I felt it, like I'd been swindled. Like this he, is, Here's, here's the other thing. So I've done, uh, I did a whole video about this, why FSD is uh, good at its current value. And I did a lot of research. Um, so I got my car two years ago. And from what I paid for FSD versus what it is now, uh, if I had to go sell my car, I'd get about six or seven thousand higher than if my car did not have FSD, right? So that's what the used mark, used car market for Tesla's is valuing FSD here locally, six to seven thousand dollars. Uh, we're buying it for uh, what is it like twelve something? Um, so anyway, my point being is, is in a tier span, 
I've, I'm up $3,000 on FSD from what I purchased at $3,000 versus the six I get for it today. Mm-hmm. So if you price that out over a five-year span, uh, the time you go to sell your car with FSD, uh, not back to Tesla, but in the used market, you're going to recoup the money you paid for it plus some on top, as long as the price keeps increasing. I'm not talking over a short period of time like you did, uh, like over like a five, six, seven year span as the price increases, you'll recruit all your money and you'll make, you'll have, you'll be up money over that period of time. Cause I'm already up 3000 over two years. Wow. What, what will it be over three more years? Right. Wow. I think it's going to be a very interesting economic, uh, shift, uh, in terms of ownership, generally speaking, mm-hmm. and the dilemma of FSD, yes, or FSD, no. no. And um, I'm in the mindset. Is he lagging for you guys? I think yes, he is. Call Elon. Elon once said it will be uh, a value of one hundred thousand, and it makes like FSD will be worth one hundred thousand. Not that it'll be priced one hundred thousand. If you think of it this way, the average, and these are stats that I'm going off the top of my head again. If you watch the video, I go in depth and all this. Uh, the average U.S. car owner owns 1.8 cars per household. So if you can eliminate one car per household, so it's basically like half the cars are off the road, uh, you're basically replacing an extra car with the cost of having FSD. So if you think, uh, and then the average car price is like 35000 or something. So as long as FSD goes up to 35000 it's still economically affordable for a person, a family to buy one car versus two that has FSD, even at $35,000. As long as it can drop off one family member, go drop off another, so on and so forth, right? Even if you're not using it for robo taxi, so there's a lot of uh, economical reasons to support it going up into the thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar range, especially if you're getting into the whole robo taxi uh, aspect of stuff. So uh, that's just my take on it. Um, whether I'm right or wrong, who knows? We'll see, right? But uh, I think economically, it does make a lot of sense. At, as it goes up, so I'm in, I'm in the mindset that I'm happy that it goes up in price. Yeah, not, not I, and I wish Tom, you're right. I wish you could transfer because technically I own. Well, I don't know if I own it, but I own the software. I paid for it, so I should be able to like move my software wherever. But you know, it is what it is currently. But I think um, I think it was uh, that was brought out. I think people are. I think Tesla Elon did say they're going to talk about it. Think about it next year. I think. Yeah. Um, I think it was someone who tweeted him saying and asked him um, multiple times. Um, but okay, that's an interesting discussion on FSD and autopilot. There are differences, and hopefully, all markets catch up. And and I think you can trust the Tesla team to deliver on that. Uh, really? two, uh, it's oh. funny thinking about uh, talking about Australia. We we went in 2016 to England. Mm-hmm. We we drove across Europe. We have been driven all the way all across Europe many times. But we we thought we were in France saying, "Hey, should we go to England to do Stonehenge? Wouldn't that be the coolest picture ever? Stonehenge and the Tesla." So we <laughs> go there, you know, and we said, "What will happen when we do autopilot? Because we're on the wrong side of the road, like in Australia. What will happen? Will the car automatically go to the right side and crash?" So we're like, "Okay, guys, there's nobody coming. Let's do autopilot." We did autopilot. And it was on the left side of the road that all the time. Cool. It's, it, yeah, yeah, we thought, you know, what's going to happen now is it's going to be like a major jam here. So we went to to, to Stonehenge. 
yeah. and the and the guards down where we yeah. park and said, so, you know, we got this amazing idea, and it's like, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, not gonna happen. Park here, uh, take the bus. So take the bus. Yeah, we tried autopilot. They tried autopilot in England, but it, yeah, it was. But the funny thing is, when you go uh, between England and France with the ferries, you can charge your Tesla. Oh, you can't do that in other. In the other they have they have different electricity. It's uh, floating, blah blah blah, something something, and you can actually charge your your Tesla on the ferry. It's awesome. Perfect segue. Let's talking about let's 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 uh, have a quick last ten minute chat about three different topics: charging and infrastructure. I do see Sweden has about ten supercharger locations, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I just went to the map and I just counted how okay. many I put cool. Tesla supercharger cool. Sweden. Yep. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Is that enough? And how has the expansion in Europe been? Because just from a from a Canada perspective, last year we have one highway going across the entire country, Trans Canada Highway, yep. Highway um, PC One, mm -hmm. and it got completely electrified in all provinces by December thirteenth. I think it was last year. I think oh. the twenty seven superchargers came online at the same time, and you mm -hmm. could go from one end of the country to the absolute other end of the country, using using superchargers. And I think. Um, Shout out to Mad Hungarian, Ian Pavelko, and uh, Trevor mm. from Tesla Owners Online. Uh, they did that entire Trans-Canada drive. They wow. started in Vancouver and did the whole thing. I think it took 69 hours or 68 hours. And they were nonstop, right? They wanted to do, and they did it in like, I think, February or something, when it was minus 20 outside, minus 30 wow. outside, just to dispel all the, the thoughts people had that, oh, EVs don't work in cold and all that stuff, right? You must have it in Sweden. Same thing, right? Yeah, we, um, have, two, we have two members in, in our board. They live close to the Arctic Circle, and yeah. they have X90, X90, and they have uh, those snow scooters, and yeah. they have two of those, and they pull a trailer uh, all across. I mean, I, I don't even know how they do it. They, they are magicians doing the math for how long they do it but these those guys are heroes and when i bought my first tesla in 2014 it was two supercharges in sweden two or three and we did the first 2016 we drove to france and holland we did the the, the factory in in holland and we england everything like that we actually went from from charger to charger the whole way bam 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 and last year we did uh, we did um, europe again and when, when we go over there, I had the same guy, John, with me. I said, which route would you like to take home? He says, don't we have to take in consideration chargers? No. You can go anywhere you want. You pass two or three superchargers driving down in Europe now. It's just, it's, it's, um, and I mean, even though considering Ionity, which is, you know, co-owned by Shell and Mercedes and BMW and those guys, it's yeah. all over, and and you have uh, so many charging. It's um, it's just amazing, but the pricing is just so weird. You don't, yeah, you, I, yeah. I think I think it's about um, it's about education to the general public that dude, the charging does exist, and um, and home charging is so much cheaper than yeah. uh, than the gas station. I was actually charged, uh, tracking my charging using an app on my phone, and I sent a, a friend of mine a stat. 700 and x kilometers i charged at home and it cost me five bucks mm. i'm like please tell me how what distance you can drive with five dollars and he's like i can probably drive about 60 kilometers and i'm like please compare that to 720 yeah. 
and yeah. tell me what the math works out to and how this is not better than owning a gas vehicle. Um, and he had no answer for me, obviously. He just chuckled in delight. He's like, his next vehicle is going to be a Tesla. He just wants to wait till it's more affordable. Um, yeah, okay, that's good. And um, I do see, I mean, I think the... the I, I still don't know if the UK is part of Europe or not. Uh, well, um, well uh, they don't know. They don't know either. <laughs> I mean, but I see a lot of infrastructure <laughs> coming up in, in the UK and the rest of Europe. And... Um, yeah. Every month I see the stats for Holland. I think the Model 3 count just keeps increasing there every month. They're breaking records. And um, I think Europe is a massive untapped market still for Tesla. I think it's going to be because there's so many of the BMW, Mercedes, Audi, mm. Volkswagen Group, and some yeah. of the big honchos, right? They own yeah. all the brands. You have the yeah. Czech groups, the Skodas and the Seats and all those guys. Um, it's going to be exciting to see. I hope there are more Teslas on the road in Europe as well. Um, Awesome. So we talked about adoption. Uh, what is the adoption rate like? What um, I know Norway has a, a crazy number of Teslas per per capita. How is it in Sweden? And um, it, it, we're we're not even close. Uh, no. We're not even close. Uh, <laughs> they are they are just outstanding. Uh, but taking consideration, you get about uh, a six thousand US dollar incentive in Sweden. Mm -hmm. Which, let's say, if you buy a Model 3, mm -hmm. it's close to 10% mm. back. It's just crazy good. If you buy a BM, BMW i3 or something like that, mm -hmm. you're looking at between 12 to 15% incentive wow. when you buy it. So it's super good. It's just, it's just mm. crazy good. It's, it's like, and since 90% of everybody in Sweden can charge at home, it's just, it's just you can't. Um, is that a flat? Is that a flat incentive across all? Do all Tesla vehicles qualify? So why yeah. I'm asking is because here, we in Canada we have yeah. a a price point below which the vehicle cost needs mm -hmm. to be in order to qualify for a federal rebate of I think it's five thousand dollars, Franklin, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think only the Model Three standard range plus qualifies. Oh, so yeah, Tesla yeah. had to price it base model at forty four nine or something. Oh, and yeah. and add the drivetrain above that, and so the end cost ends up becoming 60, 60k or yeah. something approximately. Yeah. Yeah, but so the good they, part about it, it's actually funny what Tesla did, at least in Canada, because of the way our laws work. Uh, the base model trim has to be offered under fifty thousand, I think it is forty-five k. Forty-five k. Sorry. So Tesla literally priced it like five hundred dollars less than whatever the value is. No, it's forty-four nine nine nine. It was forty-four nine hundred or something. Not even yeah. five hundred. It was hundred bucks below the actual yeah. qualifying it was, price. It was just under the qualifying price, where it's not worth it to buy the standard range like that, especially if you can buy the standard range plus. But because they offer that trim, uh, you can get the five thousand dollar rebate on the standard range plus. So it's like Tesla trolled the government so hard here just by like that price <laughs> adjustment. It's uh, it's incredible. So that's okay. great though. They have, a, they have a poor history, uh, at least in Ontario. Uh, our current premier, when he came into power, he took away our rebates for the quote-unquote rich Tesla owners. Um, and Tesla actually ended up suing our government, our local government, and they won the lawsuit for like $142 million or something. Uh, wow. Because the, the Ontario government within Canada totally was out to get just Tesla, and they left all the other automakers alone uh, when they took out the rebates. So it actually costs our government more money by taking out the rebates than 
it would have if they just kept them in and promoted EVs. It's it's interesting. Like um, in Canada, we've got I think um, every province has its own uh, provincial level rebate, and there's a federal level rebate of five thousand Canadian dollars that we were talking oh. about. But the uh, the province I'm in is one of the richest oil producers for the country, and we have zero rebates on anything. I mean, on oh. on Tesla vehicles, provincial level. Um, yeah. But to the west of us, we have British Columbia, where they have one of the highest rebates in the country. Then you have Ontario with one of the highest on the east of us. That's uh, one of the highest rebates in the country. So it's very different being a Tesla owner. You wish you were in Ontario, but drive back to Alberta where I stay. And um, But it doesn't work that way. Um, so that's good. I mean, incentives, I think, are key to help people. And also education, generally speaking, people don't know, even today, People still don't know a lot about charging and how, how things work. How big is your uh, owner's club? Like, how big is your owner's club? Uh, we're, we're close to uh, 3,000 uh, members. Wow. 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 Well, the thing started when, when, when I bought my first Tesla in 2014. There was, there was no charging. There was, there, I mean, there was one supercharger. It was, it was far, far away. So like I said, I, I'm, I told my wife, I'm going to get like a, um, I should get like a Facebook group of about 10 people in the whole west of Sweden. If I can get 10 people together to help, you know, I know where to show. She said, you're crazy. 10 people? You'll be like, five. I was like, okay, 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 I'm going to aim for five. I'm going to aim for five. And, you know, uh, and, and we started, hey, you can come charge where I live, you know, at night out in Gothenburg, just down in the fish harbor, like in the 11 o'clock in the evening. I was, you know, but now there's like uh, the city of Gothenburg, they put up 500 semi-fast chargers all across town. They just popping up everywhere, like 11, wow. 22 kilowatts. So it's, it's just, it's just nuts. It's, um, yeah, yeah. But we're a small club compared to our uh, brothers and sisters in Norway who yeah. are like, what are they now? 35,000, they're biggest in the world. You're massive so, compared to our local club. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's phenomenal. That's that's it's just nuts. It's just nuts. I think Australia, Nash. Let's quick, just quick, couple of minutes about uh, Australia. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, Hamid in the chat corrects me and says we have Sweden has forty-one locations for superchargers. Uh, um, Hamid is my vice president, and he 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 runs me. He runs okay. me. <laughs> I I well, I guess it's obviously both, maps I, need I to be corrected. Try, Thank you, Hamid, uh, for that. You should have him on too. Sorry, you should have had him come on too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next time, next time, next time, he's going to be on here as well. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. definitely, yeah. definitely. Awesome, thank you, uh, thank you, Amit, for correcting. Um, didn't mean to undercut the number of supercharges, uh, but so to the audience, there's way more than what we projected, so yeah, um, it is easier than you think. Yeah. Um, but Australia, I've met both the uh, Australia and the West Australia guys, they are really nice guys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we don't have as many superchargers yet, but it is definitely a steady and a, and a good increase. Hmm. Uh, so we can't do cross-country either way, it's top, bottom, or west to east either. Well, we Harold Murphy, the president of East Australia, he did cross Australia. He yes, did there, are, yeah. so there are three people I know. So one of my mates, he's in Darwin at the very, yeah. very top edge. And Darwin, he did, he did a circumnavigation of Australia. Uh, there's one from Melbourne who did a circumnavigation, and 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 Western Australian. This one, he was, and um, 
and and we have a pioneer uh, Sylvia Wilson. So she she did a, a semi uh, circumnavigation in her Model S, and her story is amazing. Bluey, her story is just amazing too. So we have a few people who who have done that. Cool. So we still have we still have three phase charging in lot of these. Um, uh, a lot of the uh, uh, roadside, uh, yeah. you know, townships. So we can still get three phase. So that's yeah. not bad. And yeah. and now we're having a, a fair number of fifty kilowatt chargers being propped up at multiple places. So things are looking looking very promising. We are not there yet, but uh, things are looking very promising. When what I about solar? What about solar? Do you have everybody yeah. has solar? Uh, nearly everybody we have sun nearly 365 days except today today is raining except for today <laughs> <laughs> nearly nearly the rest of the year we have sun and we have perpetual sun and solar is is massive here and uh, every every roof has has a minimum of 6.6 .6 kilowatts uh, yeah my roof has 8.6 and i'm trying to go to 14 but wow. nearly every nearly every roof has at least 6.6 .6 kilowatts here uh, as a as a standard so we are trying to push uh, for microgrids here, and uh, you know th there is resistance, of course, but we are looking for microgrids. So yeah. every single estate, estate is a uh, estate is a, a suburb. A suburb is an estate. Oh, yeah. So, so we want we want every estate to have its own microgrid with batteries, and we want yeah. to have one Tesla mega battery for every suburb. This is what we're trying. That will be amazing because wow. if we, have, we have sun everywhere, and instead of sending it back to the back to the uh, suppliers where we get very little bit of feed in tariff uh, we only get 0 0.9 cents uh for a uh, uh, nine cents not 0.9 i mean we get nine cents mm. as a feed in tariff for selling back the electricity to the to the energy company and they sell it back to us at 52 cents <laughs> maximum of 52 cents from 32 wow. to 52 cents we, we sell it back only at nine so there's no point so i have a battery I'm going to get my second battery very soon. Uh, there's no point in selling the, 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 the electricity back. So what we are trying to say is, in, instead of each person investing in buying a battery, the suburb can invest together in one mega battery, and all of the electricity will go to the mega battery, and the suburb can use it at night. And huh? if there's anything excess, that will that'll go back to st stabilize the grid. So we're hoping that that comes. So microgrid is something which we really want uh, to happen here in Australia, and we're hoping that because we have sun everywhere, nearly 365 days. So one of the well. projects when I was in grad school, ten year, like uh, seven years ago, one of the projects I did was a DC microgrid with um, that we were asked to basically optimize at that time. Back in 2013, mm -hmm. was you have a solar panel. Mm -hmm. At the end, you need to provide output power to a grid at THD of less than five percent total harmonic distortion, which yeah. is a which is a requirement. Otherwise, your yeah. light bulbs would flicker. Like exactly. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. THD yeah. less than five percent is a is a is a energy company requirement so that the customers yeah. have flicker free um, uh, electricity at their homes, yeah. and it is hard because the solar panels themselves are not they're only like thirty to forty percent efficient. So mm. when you get that raw dirty power from the solar panels, that needs to be cleaned up. So you need to basically convert the DC into AC. So you need an inverter in between. You need mm. an inverter stack. And then those inverter stack needs filters to clean up everything. And then you need a transformer to boost it because it's nowhere close to what a house needs. Mm. And you need a transformer to boost it up. So you need a transformer setup. You have all those costs associated, right? And then you need a battery backup system, an energy storage system, ESS, or whatever you call it, uh, for all the excess. Mm. You're, it's very interesting. Uh, so I am from India. And you see, uh, in India, you have different 
regulatory laws, like for um, Canada versus India, here the regulator doesn't allow you to sell excess power to the grid yet. Mm. Whereas in Australia, you have it. Yeah, yeah. In India, you have it. Mm. But uh, so different countries are taking different approaches to the presence of solar. Now, for example, the city I stay in has the maximum number of good days in Canada, the city of Calgary. We have more sun than Florida. Being at the the, lati the latitude that we are, this is a fact. So now if you actually look at the home builders here, they're adding a minimum X number of solar panels to every house. Um, and they're doing that even here for free. It's as part of the house. Now, my house was built just before. So I have my house wired for solar, but wow. I don't have panels yet. The next year, wow. they started putting panels, like a couple of panels in. If you want to expand, you can expand. So I think uh, there's a huge scope for solar. I think it's going to be absolute. And, and, and I must I must add one more thing. So in uh, in South Australia, we in a place called Hon, uh, Honsdale, we have uh, the Tesla batteries, which is a massive battery project. It was it was uh, yes. built in a record time of hundred days because it was made as a bet. Uh, people asked uh, uh, one of our uh, one of our mates here. Um, uh, my, uh, his name is Mike Mike Canbrook. So he tweeted on at at Elon and said, "Can you build it in hundred days?" And he built it in hundred days, and that that project has paid back in full in two years' time. And now it is used to stabilize the grid. South Australia has one of the lowest uh, electricity uh, rates. And they now they in, in another place called Geelong, which is in uh, in uh, uh, near Melbourne. They're going to have one more battery, and that's going to become the largest battery in the Southern Hemisphere. Wow. So I they, think something similar happened in the UK. I think yeah. UK had a massive mega pack installation that just came online. And uh, mm. Alberta here, the province of Alberta, has the ma the biggest mega pack installation in the whole of Canada. You, and it just came online in September, October, I think. So it's pretty awesome. But do you sell it? Do you sell it back to the grid for less than you buy it? Like, for instance, we do. Let's say we buy for you know one krona. When we sell it back to the grid, we get two. We get doubled much when we sell it back to the grid than we buy for. So the incentive to sell it back is is major. Ah, we we get less. We used to get lots, but because now because everybody's got solar. Oh yeah, the, the companies okay. are just. That's why. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. I think uh, I think uh, once it becomes mainstream, the incentive will drop. Whereas I think right now, early adopter incentive is very high, I would think. Um, but do you have anyway. battery as well? Do you have battery package to your solar? Yes, I have. I have the, the power wall. I have power wall too in my in my solar. I'm going to get one more. So mm. uh, so most of my friends have two solar. Uh, sorry, two power walls. Mm. Um, because I've I've now noticed my house uh, uh, consumes uh, electricity till about three a.m. from the battery, and after that, I have to go back to the grid. Uh, but I'm selling back so much more to the to the to the company, which makes no sense. I'm going to get one more battery very soon. Our battery cost is little high because we don't have incentives on batteries at many places here in Australia. Uh, only a few places give incentives for batteries. So we're hoping that oh. there's that it, the solar has got massive incentives uh, from the Australian government because we have. Yeah, uh, we have for both. Yeah, we have yeah. for both. But I'm so, still waiting for my Tesla battery. But it's only in uh, UK. Italy and uh, Germany because they use one phase. We're three phase, mm -hmm. and they don't yeah. have the, just a three phase. No, yet, three so. phase is not. We don't have three phase here as well. I okay, know a couple of friends. Fine. I know a couple of friends here have done three phase with some some uh, you know some some super shenanigans as we call them. Mm. Uh, but I have not able to. So mine is single phase. Um, although uh, 
my house is wired for three phase, but mm. Tesla battery is still at single phase. Uh, so I want to get two batteries and and see how that goes. I saw that Ben Sullen's video where he went for an entire week uh, without uh, grid. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I think uh, I think we're out of time unless uh, yeah. someone else has any questions. Um, I think we've managed to answer most of the questions that came on the chat. And um, I think we had a, I think this is a fantastic discussion, just different things. I think we all learned something new today about yeah, each other's uh, geographies and where we stay and how things are done. Um, so I, I really want to thank everyone for taking the time to join us today. Uh, Tom, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Nash, as always. Mother Franker, as always. Um, and everyone in the chat from Sweden, uh, from other parts of the world, thank you for joining in, uh, signing off. And here we go.